There was a little clip of Ron Paul I found from 1988. It's uh, same same year he ran as uh, a libertarian and lost. <laughs> hey, welcome everyone. Um, welcome back to Rise to Liberty. I am joined by Sean Hickman uh, this evening. Uh, got a couple of fun topics to talk about and just kind of just dive into and see where we go with it. How you doing tonight, Sean? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to be back with you. As we're heading into a new year, it'll be interesting to see uh, what we cover and um, uh, kind of thoughts on where we're headed into this next year. So, man, I I don't even know this. This year has been wild enough. I, I don't know if I can <laughs> handle anymore. I mean, Virgin I'm actually excited. I, yeah. I think. I think I might be the last optimist left on earth. Um, <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm dead ass serious. I, I think that uh, when I talk to people about uh, their outlook of things, um, it's always super negative. And it's interesting if we got specific about what we're negative about, we might agree um, that in the short term, there's bad things that are going to happen, but bad things happen in every generation. And so like, I don't think that's news at all. I think in <laughs> fact, I think that's, that's, that's just common. That's the way life works. Um, that being said, there's still a lot of things that I look to that suggest that as bad as things are, there's been worse times throughout history and through technology and innovation and uh, maybe uh, perhaps a, uh, Enlightenment era 2.0 that I think uh, we we could embark on. Uh, I I believe that our best days are ahead of us. I really I really believe that. Here's the catch though. I don't know if it's in my lifetime, and so I think that's the problem that most people face is that they want the immediacy of of change and they want like they want instant improvement. Um, I'm okay with being a cog in that wheel of um, you know, okay, well, we're in a suck time, but like, if we do the right things, maybe future generations would have less suck. Um, and, and, and I think that that's okay because I, I think that there was past generations that had far more suck than we have. No, I, I definitely agree. I think the potential for things to actually get better are a lot higher than most people would think. Yeah. You know, I just, I do have the optimistic belief that uh, the good always wins in the long run. I mean, whether that happens today or 10 years from now, you know, as Macho Man Randy Savage always says, the cream rises to the top, brother. <laughs> it, I, I don't, I, I think the problem is, is we measure these things unrealistically. Like if, if what we're looking for is perfection or to eliminate all problems, all strife, that's never going to happen. It's always going to be shit. But if we could stop and like at least, you know, pause long enough to say, well, what do we have to be thankful for, right? And and make a list of those things that we're genuinely thankful for. I mean, just you know, the the fact that I have free time on uh on a day like today, uh, right? It's 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 New Year's Eve. I've got free time, free, free time on my hands. I have electricity. I have a roof over my head. I have the company of a friend. We're having good conversation. There's people that have it a lot worse. There's people that are living, you know, afraid of bombs dropping on their head. 
uh, yeah. as, un as uncertain as this world is, I'm not like sitting here with anxiety that a bomb is going to drop on my head. And so I think being thankful for that is something that we should be, I don't know, just pause and say, hey, it, it could be it could be worse. And that doesn't mean that you that you uh, don't push forward to try to make things better. I think, in fact, because we have it so good, we should, you know, pr like push ourselves to see how we can maximize uh, happiness, you know, for ourselves and for others. I, I, I mean, that, I don't know, whatever. I, I'm getting into some woo woo shit and that's not <laughs> but whatever. Hey, just as long as you're not worried about uh, a massive solar flare that's just going to wreck everything, then, you know. <laughs> I heard that yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some people are legitimately worried about that. But but it's all about perspective, too. The yeah. person you were you were you were in that conversation when the person brought that up. Here's something that you might not know about the person that brought it up. She's handicapped. She lives alone. She doesn't get around very well. If her power goes out, She's a lot more fucked than you or I are if our power goes out, and yeah. and, and we're fucked when our power goes out. Let's not like, let's yeah. stop making yeah. both about it. And so her worries are different than our worries. And so I, I didn't, you know, I don't know. I, I thought it was interesting that she has a legitimate fear that a solar flare is going to happen anytime. But um, but I I guess if I were in a in a more vulnerable state where something could be something you know it, like just the normal power out a rolling blackout yeah. would be catastrophic for someone like her so i, I was just gonna yeah. say that just like some of these power outages that we've experienced across the country you know being without power for a week or water for a week like that sounds terrible and yeah somebody in her position it, it would just be devastating you know, yeah. without somebody coming coming to the rescue it so i think it's uh it's definitely largely influenced by the fact that we just have like 24 hour nonstop access to information and it's just, it's always there. And so we, we kind of have this uh, anxiety about the future because there, there is a lot of bad stuff going on. I don't think that it's any worse than any other time though. I tend to agree. I think our access to information, it used to be, you have the local news, Right. And then you have like this idea of world news. And if there was something really crazy going on around the world, you, you, you were separated by oceans. We were never really impacted by it unless unless it was wartime. And you had, you know, if you were there, your family was 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 there, th then maybe it felt more real to you. Uh, but I think the problem is, is that every time that there is a child abduction or a trigger warning, uh, a child abduction or a rape or a murder or any of these, these heinous things, um, we used to pay attention to the local news and go, oh my God, that's crazy. And, and it didn't happen all that often, you know, like, or at least it wasn't publicized. Now it's in our face daily. You turn on your phone and like, there's, there's an update of like, you know, some, some heinous thing that's happening and it makes you feel like it's happening, uh, more frequently than it is it although it is happening more frequently than it should i, I think that's fair to say yeah it, it does seem like i get uh, notified about amber alerts quite often uh we just had a had one here the other day that actually like it it was interesting i i don't know the whole story i didn't pay attention that i've just been busy with other things yep. but you know heard bits and pieces and it was just some crazy pedophile that 
basically like groomed a child through like a online game and ended up like tricking them into going somewhere and he like picked the kid up and took off it's just it's crazy man just crazy stuff out there yeah yeah but meanwhile we have police that think that possession of marijuana in some places is is the the thing that they should spend their time uh apprehending um yeah i wish we could get focus and go catch the real criminals i mean yeah seriously i mean there's there's a lot of issues in a lot of places right now um it's very obvious who are causing the issues it would just be nice if the people who are supposed to take care of the issues actually took care of the issues (laughs) You know, or if I could stop paying them at least for not doing the job, you know, nothing personal, but I I don't want to keep paying you if you're not going to do anything. But that's fair. (laughs) So one thing I want to I want to jump into um, the Libertarian Party. Mm -hmm. It's just uh, culturally, it's interesting is what I would say. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's really interesting. So there, there's, uh, infighting with, uh, the loser brigade and the Meacocks, um, seems to be like, there's this whole faction just dead set on the party, just crashing and burning while there's like still some people still trying to do something. I think that shows a lot of true colors. Um, I think it's really interesting. I've had a lot of arguments on Twitter um shocking i know um about uh a lot of issues that have really divided uh everyone i mean we were already divided between mecox uh supporters or members and uh people who just downright loathe everybody else's existence um so what do you feel like the state of the party is is it still a viable option if it ever was like is it is it worth it to still be a libertarian and even try at this point <sighs> okay state of the party so let me make this clear i i support many of the people that are on the national board i think we have some smart people some very good people, some very um, determined, uh, well-intentioned people. And so my criticism that I'm about to levy against the national party has nothing to do with the leadership currently. In fact, if we were talking about previous leadership, I'd go off about that. (laughs) Um, My observation is that in spite of having brilliant people with good intentions, there's there's a problem with we preach about local uh solutions to problems and yet at the national level the focus is supposed to be on uh national politics and the overton window you know think what you want about that that idea um it's not open for us to win an election and everyone knows that, right? Uh, you know, only delusional people, uh, you know, uh, that identify as libertarian 
think that we're going to be winning a presidential election anytime soon. That's not going to happen. And that's not no. a slight on any of the candidates that have ran in the past. That's not a slight on any of the ones that will run in the future. In fact, I'm actually excited about some of the people that will uh, be putting their name in the hat likely, uh, you know, in 2024. That being said, I question the, you know, the purpose of doing that when we could focus more of our energy on winning local elections. And this is something that I wish, uh, if we would pay attention, not to like the, the, the fighting between the factions, but pay attention to what, what the Mises caucus is actually saying and doing in terms of saying, we should focus on winning local elections. Where is the argument against that? I, I think that in terms of, uh, you know, being pragmatic about what we can accomplish, I think it's the best approach is to focus locally. And I understand that there's people that are outside of the Mises caucus that also believe that. So why are we fighting about it? We should do that. And the fact that they're training candidates, identifying candidates, giving them the resources to be better candidates, this is good stuff. And, and, and what I'm hoping is that whether it's, you know, in 2021, when Pennsylvania, you know, they, they worked a, a brilliant strategy to get, get people into offices that, you know, maybe nobody's ever heard of, but who cares? Those are wins. We need to yeah. build a culture where we, we run, we win, and then, and, and then ultimately do a good job when we do win. That's the other thing. Some people are like, I'll, I'll run. And then if they, if they were to win, what are they going to do? I, I, I know people that have ran for an office, won that office, and then didn't accept the role because they realized they couldn't do it. Yeah. I, I won't name names, but it's weird. It, it, it's weird that they, uh, you know, so, so you get, you got to also know what you're saying. Fake until you make it. <laughs> you won. Get in there. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That, I mean, you, you did the hard work. You got elected. Yeah. Um, and so, so, uh, without going too far into it, I just think the local approach makes more sense. And so I don't like, I don't want to be critical of, of, of our leadership team because I, I think they're unfairly criticized by a lot of people. I agree. And, um, but my, my concern has nothing to do with that. It has to do more with just where the focus should be. That being said, I do understand that, um, there is a, uh, you know, a theory that, you know, if you run people at the top of the, the uh, at the top of the bill, you'll get people excited. Maybe they'll volunteer. Maybe then you can build a bench of, uh, you know, of a uh, activists or candidates or people that can help with, uh, with the candidates. And so if it generates excitement and gets more people into the movement, okay, that's fine. That just, it, that stuff just doesn't excite me as much as actually winning. And, and then the last thing I would say is that, we also need to work on our messaging. And I don't mean, you know, I'm not pointing fingers at other people. I, I, I'm pointing directly at myself. We, we all have to be able to think about, is our messaging effective? And here's something that will step on toes of anybody that's a libertarian that's listening. But here's, here's something, a truth bomb that we should accept. Our ideas, the way that we've been communicating them for the last 50 years, are unpopular. I'll say it again. It's unpopular. And it, it, it's, I, I, people may say, oh, no, no, people are more libertarian. They like our ideas, but they're afraid for what? No, 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 no. If our <laughs> ideas were popular, 
they would vote yeah. for us more often. They wouldn't shit on us the way they do. Our ideas are unpopular. And so I'm not saying we need to water down our messaging. I'm not saying that we need to uh, change our position on anything, but we do need to become more effective communicators. And until we do that, I, I think it, like we always point it, oh, it's the rest of the world. They're the dumb ones. They don't, <laughs> they don't know. Well, why are our ideas so unpopular? We have to get better at communicating them. And as long as they are unpopular, that's our fault. Um, it, you know, and, and honestly, some ideas are unpopular for good reason. I, I think our ideas are incredibly wise, at least most of them. Um, some people will argue some really nonsensical shit that you, we could get in a fight about, but, um, <laughs> but, but for the most part, I think our ideas are good. I, I, I think we're terrible at communicating them. And, and again, for the, that small handful of people that are good at communicating this, the, our message, I'm not talking about them. Right. So, so anybody yeah. that would get offended about like, Oh, I'm a great messenger. Okay, great. You're one of the five because most, <laughs> of, most of us suck. And, yeah. you know, and I'll put myself in that suck category because sometimes I, you know, be, it's frustrating because, Hey, my ideas are better than yours. Welcome. You're not listening. And uh, that, that's not a fact. We just got to become better yeah. messengers and, and uh, I'll put myself in that camp. Oh, I can definitely throw myself in that camp as well. I, you know, I'm better some days than others. Uh, I'm definitely better on some topics than others. Um, the the one bad thing about trying to uh, argue for the side of freedom is, unfortunately, you have to have every little fact you possibly could think of, um, and you have to have it readily available just right here in the front of your mind at a moment's notice. And if you slip up once, that invalidates the whole argument, and that person's not going to listen to you anymore. And so it's, it's a lot to ask from a person. So obviously we're going to fail. Um, one thing I do want to say, I completely agree with the, uh, the, the federal race um, going forward. So I actually ran a campaign this past cycle and I beat the normal libertarian three to 5%. I got a little over 7%. So I was happy, um, especially being like a political nobody, you know, locally, um, but got my name out there, got the message out there. So I feel like it was successful and going to do it again at some point. Um, I came into this movement with the understanding that federal politics was just fucked. <laughs> like there was no hope. So I don't understand the importance that the party has placed on this um, running these positions as if there's a chance that even if we won, they'll actually be able to do anything. It just really confuses me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it, it's interesting. And I'll continue to support national in the ways that I can. Um, I, for sure. I'm a lifetime member. Um, and if there was something that my, you know, talents could help with, I would. I just don't know if I would invest time in doing things that are, that I know are going to result in not moving the, you know, the, the, the needle at all. Um, that being said, there are a lot of things that, uh, that I think that National could do um, in terms of, you know, 
supporting uh, the state affiliates that need it uh, if, if they want it, right? Um, and um, I don't know, just the different, my, my mindset is, is to focus on local stuff and, um, it, but I don't need to shit on the fact that we have a national party um, in order to focus on local stuff. In fact, uh, there's just, there's a lot of smart people that have a lot of good ideas and, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. I, I just personally can't see, um, in, in, unless somebody shows me something compelling uh, to put a lot of time and effort into um, in, into something that's not going to move the needle. I, I, I mean, that's just simple as I could put it. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty black pilled on that front, but I also view like these these federal races they're they're just PR campaigns, right? At least that's how they should be ran. Like we shouldn't expect to win. We shouldn't run to lose, but I mean we should expect that of course it's not going to win, so how's what what's the most effective way to spend the money to be able to reach the most people, to have the most discussions uh and you know, throw uh, corrections in the faces of all of these uh, legacy party members and uh, show that there is an actual viable option, which I think the federal races would actually mean a little bit more if we could show all of these local candidates winning. Yeah, uh, there's probably people listening right now and saying, oh, well, ranked choice voting, that'll fix it all. <laughs> But oh, if we boy. if we just change how we vote, that will fix everything. And um, <laughs> to, to them, I would say, okay, sure. Yeah, I don't. It's the, I, it's the I same people it voting it. and the same motivations uh, of, of of why they vote, who they're going to vote for. Um, I don't know. It, it, show me the proof that ranked choice voting is going to help a libertarian get elected. And by the way, I almost think that the fact that we think that, oh, well, if we just had a different way to vote, that would make us win. No, what would make us win is for our ideas to be more popular. And we're, our ideas are going to get more popular as we become better messengers and focus on the things that we can accomplish. Yeah. Filling city councils uh, with with libertarians and school boards and uh, other local positions. Uh, I, I, I think that's where the magic is at. And, and, and if you build, if you build a track record of winning elections, then you can get more ambitious and start winning the bigger ones. Right. Yeah. So let, let me ask you this. Um, so here in Utah, we, we had a couple of really interesting situations. So in, uh, in my sister county, which is down south from here, um, they had a school board candidate uh, running. And it was just really interesting because <laughs> we actually have the DOJ who is involved in our school district here. Um, mm -hmm. They are like actively in charge of it. The school district cannot make a decision. Um, nobody can even fart without the DOJ's approval. Um, and that that came from a investigation of, uh, how, did, how did they phrase it? It was um, un, unresolved uh, race, racist issues. 
Um, now there were some like legitimate uh, racist issues um, as far as how much responsibility that's the school and not the people actually involved with that. I, I don't know. Um, but now for some reason, the DOJ has decided to uh, take up camp in uh, one of our uh, county school boards, which is insane. Um, so obviously that candidate that uh, that county party was running had a pretty big job in front of her. And it's kind of interesting because we haven't had the credibility of all of these uh, successful elections. And at the same time, like the main purpose of a political party is to run elections. So how do you view uh, the purpose of the party? Because uh, you, you have people like Justin Amash saying, the, the only purpose is to, you know, run elections and get people elected. And it's like, that's great, but we, we're not, though. Like, we don't even have a solid foundation for s certain things. Um, my personal opinion is that it's not just our duty to run candidates and win elections. Uh, the party is also uh, responsible for supplying that solid foundation that they can run on and uh you know that that includes like party reputation um who you're putting putting out in front of cameras uh we all know every single year one dumb libertarian from somewhere says something about age of consent and that's it huh. that's it doesn't matter you can't come back from that so yeah uh so I would go back to, so there's a few things here. David Nolan himself, who founded the party, uh, was asked about the purpose of the party. And he doesn't believe that it was about, or he didn't believe um, uh, that, that the party was designed solely to win elections. That was not the purpose. Um, that being said, Forget about the Libertarian Party. Let's just think about political parties in general. Political parties do exist to identify candidates, to run races, and to win elections, right? And so, so you've got this, this interesting dynamic where party politics is about running elections, winning elections, and then we have a Libertarian Party that's saying, no, we exist to do this other thing, and we, we, we want to push our message out there. I think there's a lot of ways that you can push your message out. In fact, if you get if you take this argument back to, you know, Rand and Rothbard, right? Um, it, I, I think that there's there's schools of thought of you push these ideas into the political sphere, and then you have another school of thought that you push this into academia. Uh, at the end of the day, until it's pushed into the culture, it's not going to matter. And so if we could figure out ways to make ourselves more culturally relevant, which is why I get excited when I see things like Eric July, Eric mm -hmm. July is not out there saying, Hey, look at me. I'm the, uh, you know, uh, I, I, this title with the libertarian party, he's simply, you know, doing things that are culturally important and he's expressing himself as an artist. And then what comes from that is that people are going to appreciate his art 
and then they stay, they then they get exposed to themes and ideas that you know that 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 is important to him. And if if you get tuned into Eric July, you're gonna you're going to hear messages. And I I would identify Eric as as somebody that that is a good messenger, specifically yeah. because of his focus on culture, right? Um, whether it's through music, whether it's through comic books, I, I think that that stuff's effective. And I think the more that we do that, the better off we'll be. That said, I don't 100% disagree with with what Justin Amash says when he says political parties are, you know, exist to get people elected, because that is what political parties are traditionally for. Um, and, and, and so the question then becomes, what is our purpose, right? And, and can we get clear about that? Because I'll, I'll use a business example. If, if, I, if I build a sales team, and we have a product, right? And the libertarian product is is our ideas. That's our product, right? Um, and and then and then um, and, and then, uh, and then I, I suppose the candidates themselves are also the product. So you have the candidates and the ideas. Those are our products. Well, I have to figure out as a salesperson how do like what target market can can my product service? And we have not built a product that services national political uh, influence. And so we, in terms of going after, uh, hey, our product is designed to win the presidency. No, it's not. In fact, what it's designed to do is, is, is to inform people, right? You, we could argue about how effective we've been about that over the last 50 years. I think on the plus side, we have seen victories. If you look at like how the Overton window shifted, whether it's, you know, marriage equality, whether it's uh, sensibilities to, uh, you know, to recreational or medical use of cannabis. And now what we see with psilocybin, we are influencing culture uh, and, and politics. We are doing that. And the, the, the great thing is we don't have to get the credit to win, right? If, if our ideas start taking hold and 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 we gain some freedom back whether the libertarians win or lose that, that to me that doesn't matter all that much what i would say is that i trust people with the l next to their name a little bit more than i trust the other you know uh letters that, that would represent a candidate so what is our product designed to win we know that we can win local races we know that i wouldn't say we're good at it yet I would say that we're we're capable and we've shown that we that we can sell it. We got to get better at selling that product, but there is a market for it and we validated that with our victories. I don't think that we validated our our uh, a market to sell our product again candidates and ideas at the state level, at the national level. We haven't validated that yet. And so in order to go after those markets rather than say hey we're going after that market we have to build a product that's that, that, that would appeal to that market. We haven't done that yet. And, and, and until we do that, I think what we should focus on is the fact that we do have a target market that we can win in. We just need to, we need to own that. We need to get better at that. We need to increase the numbers of local candidates running, uh, people that are supporting local candidates. And then we have to, we have to actually win these elections. And we need to win these elections with competent people that can, that can put forward uh, ideas, policy prescriptions, hopefully policy prescriptions that are just unwinding laws and not just adding more senseless laws. 
that's the kind of thing that I would like to see happen. And so to your question about, you know, what does the party exist for? There's a soul searching thing. And I, and I also think that the national party should exist for a completely different reason than what the state party should exist for. And if you have a county affiliate and, and just know what your role is. And then with the, within that structure, make sure that everybody knows what their individual role is. And I, and I think if we get a little bit better, a little bit more focused, I think good things can happen and, and, and it'll bubble up from the ground up. I don't think it's going to go top down. And, and if it went top down, it would kind of go against our philosophy anyways. See, that's, that's why I kind of don't believe that we should even be chasing federal, federal uh, positions. Cause I mean, that, that is top down. So the, the whole libertarian philosophy is based around a, a few different things, but decentralization, you can't get much smaller than like a municipality or like a, uh, unincorporated town, you know, like that's about like the smallest unit down to that level. So why are we focusing on the president when like, could you just imagine what a libertarian president would be like? Like, first of all, if, if he wasn't, harmed horribly <laughs> like the best thing you could do is nothing because yeah. nothing else would be able to get done it's my opinion that again this is my opinion this is a, like libertarian doctrine but this is my opinion the standard that we that that i think is most important is protecting individual rights if i thought that there was a window of opportunity for a libertarian to take on a bigger role and something where they were in a position where they could uh, do a more effective job and a, and a broader job of, of protecting individual rights, I'd be all over that. I, because I think that's the standard is, is protecting individual rights. I just don't see the opportunity to do that uh, it, you know, at, at the top of the ticket. I think that we're, we're gonna have to you know, be able to affect change where we can, but if there was a, if there was a window of opportunity, I'm not against the idea of sending a principled, uh, liberty-minded person into the White House and uh, shake things up a bit. Although we know that if that were to happen, the resistance they would meet would be great. Um, I wonder if maybe a, a more effective campaign nationally would be uh, to push for a none of the above option. Uh, on presidential uh, elections, like that. no to just and, and then and then as libertarians, don't run anyone, and then just say, "Hey, look, if you don't believe that these people are protecting your individual rights, then you should vote none of the above." And then and then the more that none of the above wins for all the different reasons that none of the above would win, some people just doing it because they're you know because they think it's fun to check that box. Um, I, I think that would force the other parties to say, okay, well, what do we have to do to reach these people that don't like any of us? And honestly, I, I think that's in, in my, I'm no fucking strategist, like, but in my head, in, in my little pea brain, that's the most effective thing that we could do would be uh, give everyone the option of none of the above and encourage that. So I do want to switch gears here just a little bit, get out of the LP stuff just specifically. Um, so you spend quite a bit of time talking to a lot of different people uh, from just all over the place at every level of sanity. <laughs> um, in, in your opinion, uh, after spending so much time on Clubhouse, what 
what is the aversion to liberty or freedom that a large group of people seem to have? Depends on who you're talking to. So, um, first of all, the people that like talking about this stuff uh, seem to be over-indexed on um, the extremes of whatever it is that they're into. Uh, people that are more moderate don't tend to jump into these conversations. It's it, it, it's like if you've got a more uh, provocative opinion, then you're like sh shouting it from the rooftop. So I, I think that's the first thing to, to analyze is that, that the people that I talk to that are on the left, they seem to be like far left. The people that I talk to on the right, they seem to be far right. And those folks, um, they're, they don't care so much about principle is what I've picked up other than they believe that their opposition and they don't even look at us, right? They, they just don't, but they look, they look across the aisle and, and they conflate terms like liberal and leftist. And, and and Democrat, and they think it's all just one thing. If if you're on the right, and then uh, and then if you're on the left, it's the same thing. It's and, and th so they what they've done is there's this menu of ideas that they oppose. It, it's it's easier to identify what they oppose than really what they stand for because what they stand yeah. for is is pretty squishy. Um, but what <laughs> is way to put it, it. what is very scary is how if 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 they could if they could sock it to the other side both sides would embrace incredibly authoritarian ideas they really don't this idea of liberty is it, like just completely irrelevant to them they the idea that people be free well what if they do things i don't like well isn't that a fucking novel concept <laughs> like what, what what, what if yeah. what if you what if you were allowed to do the things that I don't like? Wouldn't that be amazing? It, it, and so, when I speak to these folks, I'm not hoping to convert the the the, the loud, uh, obnoxious, uh, you know, tribal uh, in the fighting that they that they that they do with each other. What I'm looking for is figuring out how do I curate an audience of people that are curious, undecided, or um, you know, just trying to make sense of it all, right? And then, a, like, I like to platform the craziest of the crazies on the left and the right. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you could just say, "Well, there you go. We we've just heard from the left, and we've just heard from the right." And and then you and then and then without hitting them with a hammer of like you know some you know going like you you don't go full Rothbard on them or any anything like that. You just start you know inserting small little ideas like wouldn't it be good if government was a little less involved in our lives and then you you poke at the things that they already agree with you on and here's the thing the people that you're you're debating or arguing with or whatever you're not going to win them over that's not your audience it's all of the people listening that are like well hey one of those ideas sounded a little bit more reasonable than those those maniacs that were calling for uh, <laughs> you know burning yeah. books and whatever other stupid ideas they have. Um, but yeah, I, th that's, that's kind of been my take. Uh, I also, but, but I wouldn't get too worried about that. I think that the concern is, is that the loudest people are the most extreme, by the way, that, that happens in our movement too. Um, oh, the people, yeah. 
you know, many of the people that, that people would identify and say, oh, have you listened to someone? That's not, I, I feel like some of the smartest people are the people that, you know, they, they don't have a social media presence. They're, they're not, they're not out there beating their chest and telling you how to think and what to think. Um, they're just a decent person that happened to hold some pretty good principles. Right. And, and yeah. so I, I think that's the core of our movement. Uh, I wish there was a way to um, expand that because uh, my favorite people in this movement, nobody knows their name. Yeah. And that, so I've, I've kind of had to deal with that personally doing, doing a show. Um, it's, it's interesting because I don't necessarily want to be in the limelight. Um, but I think that we do lack a, uh, ability to lead by example in many cases. And so to at least rectify my personal problem, uh, with that, because I do agree with you, um, that's kind of just what I've really been focusing on at least, especially the last few months is myself. Um, I need to be living the principles I'm preaching. So, yeah. Very good. It's like if, if I'm going to be out here discussing these ideas, then, uh, you know, the very least I could do is be like, well, I actually do these things, though. <laughs> um, so there was a, a room that I had sat and listened to um, that, that you were modding, and it was about uh, the pronouns. And I just thought, like, both sides were so just, like, insane to the point of like one side says fuck you i'm not saying anything uh you can't you know compel my speech and then the other side is like no you have to accept me for me and do what i say and it's like it's just not how normal people talk to each other um it, it was just wild to me because like the vast majority of people they're they're not going to care about using using uh, pronouns. Somebody comes up to me, I mean, I have my personal opinions. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to just be an ass to be an ass. However, there are those people out there that will. And uh, unfortunately, in a free society, people have a right to be bigoted. Not that I like it or support it. But if you don't want to associate with somebody, you can definitely not associate with somebody. It's only an issue if it was, uh, uh, you know, legislated. That that would be a, a major issue, such as Jim Crow. But it just seems like uh, the extreme is coming back the other way. Like if if you don't use my pronouns, then all of a sudden, you know, you you hate me and want me to die. And it's like that jump. I, I can't make that jump with you. Yeah, no, that was an interesting room. A um, lot of lot of different opinions, and the title of that room was uh, "Pronouns, Free Speech, and Being Kind." And the reason for that title was there are some people that will request that you use a particular pronoun. In fact, most people don't request. Like I have my preferred pronouns. I don't say that, uh, but. Uh, I'm a guy. So like <laughs> the traditional male uh, pronouns, I would prefer to be called that. If somebody, if, if people went around calling, referring me to 
as she or her. Um, ma'am, I would probably, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, I would probably laugh because that's me. But I would also just be like, "What the hell am I doing wrong? Like, like what, like what, yeah. what's going on here? Why, why am I being referred to in this way?" Uh, so we all have preferred pronouns, and I, I think well, the way I look at it is it's kind of like nicknames, right? If you were to tell me, "Hey, stop calling me Jacob. I want you to refer to me as Tiny or whatever," I don't know why I thought of that then. But but <laughs> if you, sorry, sorry, <laughs> ladies, I'm kidding. His nickname is Tiny. Um, so if, if if somebody asked me to refer to them as a nickname, as long as it's not inappropriate, I would respect that. If that's how you want to be called, some people go by their middle name. I'm okay with that. And if somebody says that, hey, look, these are my preferred pronouns. Now, I do find it weird when people do the plural thing, like the they, them thing. That Mm. one's just confusing to me. And I've heard people try to explain it. And it's probably a me thing and not a them thing. I'm just too stupid to understand how that's not a plural thing. If my kid were to say they are coming over for dinner, I'd be thinking, okay, how much food do I have? Who who are they? I'm thinking a group of people, right? Mm. Or at least more than one. So that one's confusing to me. Um, but I think a lot of these problems can be fixed. In fact, all of these problems can be fixed without ever going to the government and saying, Hey, we need a rule. We need a law. We need an enforcement. I don't think there's that. I think this can all be done socially. And which is, which is the be kind thing. Like, even if you don't like the idea of, uh, somebody transitioning, and if you don't like the fact that they've changed a pronoun, uh, from what you know, we would normally think would be appropriate. Who cares? Like, just just be cool. Just like, like and and some people will say, "Oh no, I'm not going to capitulate." I think where I would have the problem is if the government was telling me to do it, I'd tell the government they'd kiss my ass. Yeah. But if a, if a human being was to ask me, "Hey, can you refer to me as such and such?" Again, if if it's reasonable, you know, I I'm going to do it. I'm actually going to start. Uh, changing the way that I'm referred to on the app. Um, I'm going to change my nickname to BDE. Um, I, I, I want to push people to refer to me as big dick energy and, <laughs> and, and not because I put off big dick energy, but because I think it's funny. And I also want to kind of push the boundaries a little bit about whether or not if I put out something that I want to be referred to as, are people going to push back and say no? And we'll we'll see what happens in the new year. But yeah, I might, so, uh, I might have to try HNIC. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and see God how far us. that gets me. <laughs> God help us. But it's it's really interesting because I've I've had interactions with certain people who where it's like, yeah, this is just kind of a human thing. I'm not going to be a dick. But then. I was actually discussing this uh, with some of the uh, other Utah Meacocks the other day. I have like this natural biological uh, reaction to any type of coercion. And whether it's social or governmental, it, it doesn't matter. If if somebody's taking away my choice, then I, I get uh, hostile and whatever appropriate sense that is. So somebody tells me I have to do something. I'm like, no, I don't. And I will show you that I don't. Um, I think a lot of 
the right is like that, but there's a lot of uh, actual masked, like, I just don't like this person, so I'm going to be an ass. Um, but also, there's a certain point where everything on either side goes too far, right? And it gets to a point where uh, I think somebody in that room had made a an interesting comment. It's like, um, one side is saying to force respect on, you know, you've got to accept me for me. And then that turns into, I'm not going to because you are forcing me to accept you, which I don't. So now you're not showing me the respect. And it's just like this snowball cycle. Yeah. Again, I, I think we can just, it, the people that push back the most against the pronouns, if you really start unwinding it, it, it comes from a political motivation and not some deeply held belief. Like, let's be honest, it, it, no. it's all political. And when you call people out on it and you really start digging and poking and prodding and trying to figure out the root of it, there's... There, there's there's they just don't like it they, they, they don't want to do it they don't want to play along in any fashion and i i think that while they should be free to do that uh i i wouldn't rob somebody of their of their autonomy to be a dick like let's be honest like part of part of uh freedom is is that some people are going to operate in ways that we don't like right and yeah. and, and not, not everything has to be against the law and if somebody's impolite then cool. Then we know that, hey, that guy's impolite. Guess what? He's probably not coming. He's probably not getting the lunch invitation. Why? Because I think he's a dick. And, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. so it, I think this stuff could sell sort, to be honest. Um, but because we love now to push uh, the, the, the culture war stuff into politics, and you could argue that, well, that side pushed it into politics. <laughs> and so I have to fight back. Well, the way to fight back is to say, we're going to push all of this stuff out of the political sphere. Like you don't have to wage that war. Like, yeah. If you're going to have a fight, there's, there's, there's three things, right? There, there's, there's a, there's, there's a, there's a time for the fight. There's a location for the fight and there's a stipulation for the fight. Uh, and, and right now the culture war is happening. So we know the time is now um, uh, the place for the fight. Uh, I, I, I don't think it's appropriate to fight it in the political sphere. Some people think that that's the, uh, the, the perfect place. And then the stipulation, what are the stakes? How do we define winning? Some people say that unless you get some law that protects this particular group that, or, 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 or you, the other side, Hey, let's, let's ban a particular behavior. I don't think it has to be all this all or nothing shit. I, I think people could just relax and understand that there's always going to be a mainstream culture, whether you want to participate in that or not, that's on you. And then there's going to be multiple subcultures that you can just say, Oh, okay, this one, this one sounds good. And if you don't find a subculture that exists, that fits you form your own. And, 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 uh, you know, throughout my life, I've kind of weaved in and out of mainstream culture and subcultures in one way or another. And like, I've never felt the need that like I needed to call a politician to reinforce my, uh, you know, cultural ideas. I, I just never understood that. So I, I do think 
maybe why we're seeing a lot of uh, the the big pushback is because of up until now, uh, you know, say the heavy metal and punk scene in the seventies and eighties, which you know saw the satanic panic and everything, like an actual moral panic. Um, there, there weren't certain aspects to that that there are now. Uh, what I mean by that is uh, the slight influence on some children that has been highlighted. Um, whereas in, uh, it's such a tricky situation. So obviously there's going to be some news outlets that highlight this and push it, <clears throat> make it sound a lot worse than it is. But then there's also the other outlets that downplay it. And so you've got these terrible legacy media factions and it's just, seems to get more and more polarized. So I think that that's why we're seeing a little bit more um, out from either side, uh, unlike what we've seen in the past. Could it be that culturally we've ran out of like things that we're super interested in that previous generations really rallied around? Um, I'm not going to say that there's not a form of popular music. There is, but I don't see anything out there that's as culturally relevant or changing the culture um, in the ways that, let's say, you know, if you go back to Elvis Presley, you could go into, uh, you, you know, you, you mentioned punk rock and and and, and metal uh, rap for a long time. You know, probably a good 40 years has been the most influential genre of music maybe edm maybe uh but yeah. but but that would be arguable but i think we're in this lull of creativity in in film in literature and and people could could say oh no you're wrong you just you're just not exposed to it maybe that's the case but the fact that i'm not exposed to it and i'm somebody that goes out and like at least does like a little looking for it it's not as readily accessible as it once was despite the fact that we have search engines that should make these things easier to find. I think specifically in film, we had two great decades for film. We had the seventies, right? Where it was just like, Hey, we're just going to tell it like it is. It's going to be bleak. Yeah. Uh, you know, everything was just, was just, you know, in, insane in terms of like, we don't care about giving you a happy ending until 77 when star Wars came out. Right. So, so you had two films in the seventies that gave you, gave you happy endings. Uh, there was, there was, uh, there's, there's more, but there was two important ones. There was star Wars and there was Rocky. Right. So then, mm. and they both do well commercially. So then everybody says, Oh, well, you know, we got to give happy endings. It makes more money. So then all of a sudden we start, you know, over indexing on, on, on happy endings everything's happy ending. Uh, and, and, and the music is the same thing. It's, it's kind of always been where, you know, if, if a song is a hit, people want to say, Oh, well, what made that a hit? Oh, well, well, th these are the qualities that made it a hit. And then all kinds of other songs sound exactly like it. Artists sound alike. I, I, I think we've gotten to a point where creatively we're in a lull. Um, and, and, and I, I would, I would say that if we could, through creative means make the world more interesting 
whether it's through song and dance and art and 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 uh, you know whatever it might be, film, uh, you know whatever have you, you know whatever your thing is. If we got really wrapped up into that shit, because I can tell you, once upon a time, you people were identifying based on the music they liked, the sports team that they liked. All of a sudden, it's like people identify based on like who they voted for in the presidential election. <laughs> I remember not ever knowing, uh, you know, people's political views. Well, v- very seldom did you know. There was always that weirdo, uh, you know, that had all the bumper stickers. Yeah. But outside of that, like you didn't know, you know. And and let's be honest, the kids that are wearing the Che Guevara t-shirts, they weren't <laughs> fucking voting anyways. No, but I still want to beat those kids up. Not really, but. I just, want to sell, I just want to sell them. I just want to sell them the T-shirt for thirty bucks. You know, I've actually thought about that several times. Is opening up a communist memorabilia uh, website, sell it everything at top dollar, sell a very good product. You know, it will be very good commie merchandise. And in the fine dollar. print, <laughs> in, in fine print, all of the money goes to some anti-commie <laughs> political exactly. action committee. So, in your opinion, okay, should children go to drag shows? Because that seems to be the hottest button issue, uh, which I don't think it's political or it's definitely more social, but. It's an interesting question, right? Because I guess the, the, first, the first thing that I think about is like, Well, who gets to decide that? Because if it's a child, they don't have um, the ability to make all of the the autonomous decisions that they would like to. They have a thing called parents that make these decisions for them typically. Mm -hmm. And so now what we're stuck with is if parents decide that whatever activity is something that they would permit their kid to participate in, you have people that are looking at that from the outside and saying, oh, we should forbid that. Well, on whose authority? Oh, well, we'll go to the government and we'll make a rule that says that you can't do that. I, I think we should just be careful of the precedent that we set. And, and, and I say this as somebody that I wouldn't go to a drag show. I wouldn't want my kid going to a drag show. That's me. That's my opinion. Yeah. I, I don't think you're ever going to catch me writing a letter to a congressperson to, uh, you know, to tell other parents what they should or shouldn't do with their kids. And, and if you ever do, I want a copy. <laughs> yeah. You know, I should start publishing the letters that I do write to, uh, to politicians because um, I, I started looking at some of the stuff and um, it, some of it's pretty funny. It, it, like I, I, I forget I forget how funny some of this stuff is because like, it's an issue that was popular for like two seconds and then you you, you write a letter and um, anyways, but no, to your point, and I know I'm not really answering it and it's not that I'm avoiding the question. I just think of it like I zoom out of like, okay, well, who decides that? Because if if you were to leave it up to me and I'm being honorary, I might say, no, of course not weirdo. You can't take your kids to a drag show. Come on, get, get some sense about yourself. But you know, I, I, I'm, I'm also not a dictator and, and, and I don't want to go to the dictator and say, Hey, dictator, um, 
I don't know why. Please go dictate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, d d dictator, go dictate. Yeah. Um, and so that's the weird thing, right? Because it, you 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 start seeing people's tendency to want to control other people. Um, when it, it's really obvious to see it um, when 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 somebody's pushing against something you believe in, right? If you believe it, if you're the parent that thinks there's nothing wrong with taking your kid to a drag show and people are pushing back against it, you say, oh, they're so authoritarian, right? But that same person that's taking their kid to drag shows, they have their own ideas that they want to uh, solicit the government for control of some other activity. And I, I think if people just thought, hey, why don't I stay out of other people's shit? I think that that's where my mind is at. And again, maybe, maybe somebody can convince me that uh, that I'm wrong about dictators and that somehow they play a <laughs> valuable role in society. So oddly enough, I think uh, like Jeremy Kaufman actually had the, the best position on this that I've seen so far. Uh oh is that uh, unfortunately in a free society we'll have some parents who won't take their kids and we'll also have some parents that do take their kids. That's just, that's the yeah, reality that's of it. Um, I, yeah, I don't think that's complicated. Well, it, but then you'd get the argument. Let me ask it to you. Like, do you think that if, whether it's, whether it's that or something else, um, if you thought, hey, that's child neglect or that's child abuse, if you legitimately thought that, is there a role in society to say, hey, you're not supposed to abuse children? Probably, right? We, we Like if you had a neighbor that beat his kids, you'd probably be like, hey, that's that's not okay, right? And so uh, it, it, gets it gets really weird because at a certain point, I think there are some good intentions of of saying, hey, you can't, you can't abuse children. Like, I'll give you I'll yeah. give you one of the one of the examples that that seems to be popular. A lot of people like to talk about is uh, puberty blockers, right? Um, it, it, when it comes to puberty blockers, the parents, in some cases, I, I, I guess the, the the parents are co-signing. In other cases, it's the kids that want to do it. I don't know what the answer. This is one of those things where it's like, well, that certainly doesn't sound like a good development. That, like that's my where where my head gravitates towards. But the what to do about it. I don't fucking know because I can fully understand somebody's concern to say, Hey, these kids may grow out of this and you're causing, you know, doing something that could be permanent. And, and, you know, th th this could have all kinds of implications, but, and I understand that. I, I do think there's some people that are very well intentioned and they're concerned about that, but it's not obvious to me what we're supposed to do as a society about something like that. And, it, you know, it, it would take somebody smarter than me to, you know, to opine on what the, the right thing to do is. Uh, my mind just gravitates to, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, not my zoo, not my monkey. <laughs> oh, and boy, is there a lot of monkeys. Um, so this kind of brings me to uh, the, the more fundamental question is, uh, at what point, if any, does the community have a right to step in for anything. Um, obviously, like, if kids are, like, living in a dog cage just, just covered in shit, like, yeah, somebody should probably do something about that. That's not okay. Um, but where's that line? You know? Um, I, I don't know. 
I don't know where that line is. Um, and I don't know if I necessarily want government deciding where that line is either because, well, they just, everything they do, they ruin. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a line drawing exercise, as, as you pointed out. And where you draw that line is going to be very important. But the, but the bigger problem that I see is that even if you figured out a precise place to draw the line and you decided, okay, in these situations, we're going to intervene. We still don't have a good system of what to do once we intervene. You, you know, if, you, if you're familiar at all with Child Protective Services, oh, they'll get God. involved. They'll yeah. get involved. They'll, they'll yank kids from their parents. And, and sometimes it, from yanking them out of legitimate abusive situations, that, that, is, that is true. It, mm -hmm. it, that happens. Sometimes they get it wrong because, again, it's a line drawing exercise. Um, but the bigger problem is, is even if you pull them out of abuse, you're sending them into a system that you know is abusive. It, 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 like the foster city is uh, system is riddled with abuse. And that's not, you know, if there's good foster parents listening to this, I'm not referring to you. But statistically, uh, there's a lot of abuse in the foster system. Yeah. And so, so, a lot. So if you incorrect, if, if you imprecisely draw the line, you yank people out of situations that you shouldn't be yanking them out of uh, it, to quote unquote save them and then put them in a situation where there's a high degree of abuse, man, it's, it's, it's complicated. I, I no. again, I have more questions than I have answers on this topic. I, it, it's not obvious to me what to do. Yeah. But it seems pretty obvious that government doesn't have a good solution. So th this is actually like a, an issue I've, you know, tried to toss around in my head ever since I was a teenager. It's like, at what point, if somebody is in front of me, you know, giving themselves paper cuts, like I'm probably not going to do anything, call them weird or be like, you okay? Do you need some water? Like, let's sit down for a second, breathe. But then at like what point would somebody step in? Like if somebody just grabbed a hacksaw and just started like sawing their arm off in front of you, like some people would probably do something, but do you have the moral obligation to? And if you do, uh, or if you don't, could you still do it and it still be acceptable or because it's something they want to do, should you just let them do it? It's a good question, right? Because we talk about um, sovereignty, uh, individual sovereignty and owning our own body. Yep. And so if you own your own body, does that mean that you have the right to harm yourself? I, I think philosophically, the answer is probably, yeah, it's your body. Go for it. Um, but that, that also doesn't feel right because some of these impulses that people have to harm themselves are something that is just that it's an impulse to yep. do it and if you can if you can help them to be less impulsive you would want to do that right yeah um, but i don't man you're asking some you're asking all the questions i don't have answers for these are the same kind of questions that i have and, and, I, and it's, it, that's why i'm asking you <laughs> well and you can bounce that thing around in your head uh, like a bunch and mm -hmm. and it's not a clear answer other than, uh, I, I guess, God, I'm going to sound like a broken record here. I don't think the government's going to have a good solution for this. Um, no, in fact, they should stay the hell away from any of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think maybe that's the answer to everything is that complex <laughs> problem, 
government's not allowed. And yeah. It's maybe that's maybe that's the first principle. Government's not allowed to intervene in complex problems. Yeah. No, that that should definitely always be the uh, the the first first step in any social issue. They need to be if if they need to exist in the first place. And I call that into question. But if they have to exist, they should exist on a tiny level as a referee, and that's it. Otherwise, we should be able to play hockey. Um, so my personal opinion, and we'll start wrapping up so I don't keep you too long. No, um, my personal opinion, um, what makes sense to me uh, as far as I, I – agree with the idea that I don't think kids can be trans. Um, there's a whole lot of nuance in there though. That's not to say that kids can't have uh, mental health issues or some sort of biological issue with them that could lead them to be whatever a individual calls trans. Um, it makes sense to me to not mess with biological processes until they've finished um and of course i'm a person that runs off of children cannot consent period they can't consent um they have their opinions but that's also up to the parents to decide and work that out with their child so um it doesn't seem smart to me to uh try and intervene pharmaceutically with biological solutions. Um, and I, but I think that that's more of an issue on the side of uh, the medical industry, not the parents, not the kids. I, I think it's definitely more on the, the, the medical industry than anyone. Yeah. Well, if we thought about it from a perspective of minimizing harm, I think we would have to look at this from different perspectives of what is the, what is the potential harm, uh, if any, of, of a transition? And, and what, what is the potential harm of somebody that wants to do it and telling them they can't do it? These things are not obvious to me. Uh, I think there's some people that bring their feelings into it and their opinions into it, and, and, and it becomes uh, you know this, this staunch position that they stand on. I don't know. I'm not in the position of if, 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 if my mind was set on, I wanted to transition, I'm pretty sure that I would fight like hell for my right to do it. Right. And, and so when somebody's fighting for their right to do something that they feel strongly in, I, I, I try to slow my role about like, okay, what's the good reason of why I would, you know, why I would want to stop them from doing that. And the only thing that would make sense potentially would be, is this going to be harmful to them? And then even then you have this idea that we just spoke about, about do you own your own body and are you, are you allowed to harm yourself? And so there's, there's a lot of things you have to sort through to figure out, you know, who has the authority to make these decisions and, 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 and who gets to deem what's moral, what's immoral. And I don't know, man, all, all I can say is for, for people that are, that are struggling with uh, how they identify uh, for any reason, 
I, man, I, 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 I wish that wasn't the case. I wish that people, I wish everyone Me could too. be more comfortable with who they are. You know, if I had a magic wand, this wouldn't be a political issue. If I had a magic wand, I would, my, my wish would be everyone is comfortable with who they are. Yeah. And again, that magic wand doesn't exist. That's not a possibility. So we have these conversations where, you know, people opine about, you know, the perfect way to settle these things. And on, honestly, there's, we're not going to make any, uh, we're not going to solve all of these problems. Um, no. I, but, but I, I do think that a, a more dispassionate conversation about these things would be more helpful than when we hear people yelling and screaming their opinions and then one side's bigots because they, they, they don't <laughs> like a certain idea. And then, uh, and, and then the other side is just this, you know, this woke, uh, you know, whatever. I, I don't think that's helpful. I think, I think diving into it and, and really trying to think about it, like in, in a deeper way is, is what's required. The problem is that's not how we, we operate. We don't think about things in a deep way. In fact, most people, they put on a jersey of a particular political ideology. And again, we've, we fault the Republicans and Democrats for it, but we do it as libertarians ourselves. We oh, put yeah. on the, I'm way we, guilty of that. <laughs> we put on that jersey and then all of a sudden it's like we stop thinking about things and we're just, you know, oh, well, what's the what's the platform say? And And, and that might be my biggest grievance moving forward with political parties in general. Um, I'm, I believe, it, you know, it, that, that our platform is good, but I don't think that any platform is infallible. And I don't think anyone can write a set of rules that I need to abide by. And like, if, if I were to be a candidate, for example, I would almost guaranteed not run as a libertarian. I would run as an independent and it's not because I don't believe in liberty principles. It's not because I don't um, agree with the vast majority of, of our platform. It, it's that I don't want a platform to speak for me. I want to have the full flexibility to say, no, no, this is my platform. And then if there's things that come up that are outside of uh, you know, what is discussed in a platform, then I don't have to refer back to like, well, what would the rule book say? Um, and in fact, I don't think uh, libertarianism is the only lens to look at the world through. I, yeah. I, 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 th I think some people, um, they get in the movement and all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, a question was asked. Let me put it through the libertarian lens. <laughs> yeah. What does Rothbard think? <laughs> yeah. And I, I like Rothbard, but still, like, come on. <laughs> Yeah, um, you, the last thing I want to uh, say to you on the Rothbard thing, because um, you and I probably have different opinions. I always ask, which Rothbard are we talking about? Are we talking yeah. about early Rothbard, late Rothbard? And and depending on which Rothbard we're talking about, I could totally get, in, uh, get involved. I could say, hey, yep, that was a good point. Then there's other parts that I'm like, eh, why are we holding this guy up as such a hero? He said, he's, he said some pretty dumb shit. And and, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and and I'm supposed to add the word respectfully um, when I when I insult people. I, I learned that on the Clubhouse app is that you can say <laughs> something really insulting and then say respectfully, and that makes it all good. Oh, of course, of course, it's just no offense. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's wild. Um, so I actually do agree. You you've actually kind of changed my mind about Rothbard. Uh, I mean, he was never like a 
I'd never put him on a pedestal. Um, but you have definitely helped me just in general, be able to look at that. Uh, like we should be able to praise good points and yet be able to call out bad points. And that's why I love when I see certain people call out like Dave Smith or whatever, cause I like Dave. Um, I think he's rather funny. I, there's tons of people funnier, but you know, I do like seeing him praised for the good points and then knocked for the not so good points. So it's to keep it in perspective. If we're going to talk about Dave for a second, let me say this. Um, I started out my first exposure to Dave was he was on Joe Rogan and I was like, Oh, okay. This guy's talking about Liberty minded. Okay, cool. This is school. I never got into his podcast that like, so I'm not overexposed in the things that he says. That being said, I do get sent videos of clips of what he said. I, I will say this. I think he is one of the most, and if, if he runs as president, he will be the most unfairly um, uh, uh, criticized person in this movement ever because yeah. all the critique that I see of him is complete nonsense. That said, I don't agree with him on everything, but I think it, I think people would be nuts to say that he's not thoughtful. I think people would be nuts to say that he's not in, in, like really well informed, articulate, passionate when he speaks. Knowledgeable. Um, like he's got so many qualities to really like. And he's right about the vast majority of the things he says, in my opinion. And, uh, and, but, but when I, when I hear the critiques and then I go back and I look at what people are critiquing, it's like, you just don't like him because, because the, the critiques are so off base. And so <laughs> uh, I, I don't, like, I don't consider myself like a Dave Smith fanboy, right? That, that's, I think there's a different group of people that hinge on every word he says. And I think that's weird too, no. but he probably finds that weird. It would be my guess. Is like, hey, you know, I'm a human. I could I could be wrong about shit. But I think the vast majority of his critics are full of shit, and and you know, respectfully. Yeah, it always seems to have a personal bent um, when there's like major criticisms of him. Uh, talking about you, Justin O'Donnell. <laughs> um, so one thing I kind of want to leave on. Uh, just because it's such an interesting topic, and obviously we probably could spend another hour talking about it. Maybe we'll have to have a uh, clubhouse room about it. But uh, is there a, a any time where the law might fail and we would have to answer with vigilante justice and that be the moral stance or the moral option? I think the short, obvious answer is, yeah, there's going to be times that that that, that, that happens. Um, an example, an easy example. If, if you were in your home and you heard a ruckus and you came outside and the police weren't there and there was somebody, let's, let's say it was an elderly woman being physically abused. I want to make it, it just as, as, um, you know, like, like think about the sensibility about that. You walk out your front door and see an elderly woman being abused by a group of people. Police are not there. I don't know about you. I'm getting involved. You could call that vigilante justice, or you could call that just doing the right thing. Uh, I, I don't know what you want to call that, but 
I, I and again, these could be this leads to endless line drawing exercises uh, of their own. But of course, the police can't always be there, and the police have told on themselves. You know, it, the courts have ruled that the police don't have to put themselves in harm way to help uh, in, in in harm's way in order to help save somebody. That being yeah. said. I think that there's also a lot of people in this movement that are that are overly critical of all police, and and uh, and I don't necessarily know if that's fair. I think that the that now if you want to say that well the system is broken and for them to apply for the job that means that they're a piece of shit. Okay, fine, you have your opinion. That <laughs> yeah. being said, I think that the system and the laws are far more fucked up than the people that are enforcing them, minus that percentage of people that are just fucked up. But yeah. Answer your question, vigilante justice. Fuck yeah, because if you're de- if you're waiting and depending on the police to save your ass, you're fucked. Yeah, yeah, entirely. I mean, self self defense is a cornerstone of uh, all fundamental freedom for a reason. Um, it's it's interesting to me. So, like, I could come up with a million scenarios, and the the one uncomfortable uh aspect to this question that i keep getting stuck on such as you know like when should society intervene in a situation that just kind of doesn't really have a question or have an answer to it is um the the issue with pedophiles because like obviously i'm anti-murder i'm not okay with that but i don't believe that there's a cure so what do we do with them you know it's like I also don't want them just like beat up every time they come out their front door. Um, But I don't want them in my society either. I don't know how to square those together. Well, look, it doesn't have to be pedophiles. It could be anyone that has a pattern of impulsivity that, that is, that is being harmful, like on a chronic level. I think that society, whether we have it, our current incarnation with court systems and police and jails and whatnot, or some other idea that you can envision, I don't think it's wrong to say, hey, look, this person is doing a ton of fucking harm uh, in, in order to protect the individuals in the community. Something has to has to give. And, and, and I, I believe that that's why we build prisons in the first place is to, is to uh, make society safer that, well, at least that should be the intent. I think that we, we yeah. know that most, you know, far too many people are in there for victimless crimes and, and, you know, we can go on and on and on. But I, I, I think that the answer is, is to remove people from, you know, that are, that are harming people on a chronic level. I, I do believe that for some crimes where, I do believe some people can be rehabilitated and I think that a focus on that should be, should be something that we do. But if we decide um, that we've got pretty good evidence that this person has been a repeat offender, we're not seeing signs of remorse. The calculation would be that he is very likely to do this again. I don't think it's wrong to remove them from, from society. I, I, I mean, what like it, it and if we can't do that what the hell do we have a justice system for anyways see that's that's kind of where i land is obviously it's the extreme answer to an extreme situation so it's not this isn't the everyday situation this this is to a point where the law couldn't be applied equally or isn't being applied equally so instead of uh applying it unequally 
just have uh, be able to take care of it outside the bounds of the law. Um, you know, I think of a cliche experience like a a guy beating up uh, a woman in a small town, and then you know a group of guys get together and go kick his ass while you know the sheriff turns around and doesn't say anything. Like to me, it seems like there are times, but that also would require a responsible uh, society, which I I think a lot of places don't uh, quite have. Um, yeah, well, due to whatever reason. And again, I I think we have to be careful about like when we would we we would execute this vigilante yeah. justice. I think that if it was in the moment and we could if we were eyewitnesses to something happening, I think that makes it pretty clear that you that you have a right to intervene. Um, if you don't have that knowledge that the crime was committed and that you have the right person, I, I, I think due process is something that's still pretty important. But I think you could skip over that. If, you, if it, in my opinion, if, if if you're witnessing something that is likely to lead to great harm or death of, of somebody, um, I'm not saying you should be forced to fucking do it, but I think that decent people. Um, I think decent people would be in the right to intervene to help people that whose whose rights and safety is being violated in a in an aggressive way. I I, I I'm a strong believer in retaliatory force, um, the, the the right to not just self defense but to, to defend others that are that are uh, where force is being initiated on. Um, I, I think that the idea of self defense is important, but what about other defense, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Am I am I not am I not in the right for for helping somebody else that's suffering through a crime? I yeah. well, I mean, there there's been some people to get sued, uh, you know, or for giving CPR to people, which I think is an interesting situation. Yeah. Well, government <laughs> always always the one person who has their finger in the pie who is fucking everything up always Jacob. Can I, uh, can we leave this? I want to ask you one question. Is there anything that you can say that government does well? Piss me off. <laughs> Hurt people. Um, there, there are good things that they do. And I don't believe that everyone involved in government is bad. Obviously, that that would be a very stupid opinion to have. I believe that the the natural order of the institutions themselves can never lead to where they say it's going to because of the very nature of the beast itself. So it's like um, one person can't um, anticipate what another is going to need or want therefore you know we have things like supply and demand um if we have one person trying to decide what an entire uh population within a nation wants or needs they're gonna fail every time every time you're gonna end up with an overabundance in shoes and not have enough rice to feed everyone <laughs> um so I, I i think it's it's just once it is organized, uh, organized, it it seems to fail because it's attempting to do something that can't 
be done in the way that they're doing it. Yeah. And it's too big. The scope is too big. 330, yeah. 330 million people. Um, it's a lot of people to try to account for with um, ideas around rule of law and things of that nature. I think uh, getting back to the stuff we talked about earlier, uh, a yeah. local approach, it would be better. For sure. Uh, I, I want to leave it on this is uh, something that I absolutely love hearing you tell people and kind of get on their ass about is uh, getting out to their city council meetings or their county commission meetings. Uh, people will have an opinion about this Andrew Tate thing or whatever. They don't even know who their city councilmen are, you know? Yep. It's like, yeah. It, the next, next time it, it, it Next time you hear somebody talk about, you know, a popular national issue that's political and they give you all their opinions, you should just, you should just say, hey, it sounds like you're really politically active. Um, what what day of the month does your uh, city council meet on? And it, it, watch how they just like freeze up. They, they've never <laughs> been to the meeting. They don't know when it is. <laughs> they've got a ton of excuses why they can't go. Here's my favorite one. Well, city council meetings are inconvenient. They schedule them at times that, that I can't get to. They stream them. <laughs> That's how I get to mine. Damn. So, Damn. yeah, it's it's one of the funniest things. Um, honestly, I just want to start seeing people uh, just be a little bit more honest. And uh, if you if you don't have uh, the the place to speak, then don't. But you should have the ability to, but you you need to do the uh, your due diligence and uh, put in the time. So, well, um, this this was awesome. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining me. This is going to be the uh, last show of the year, which is yeah. We'll have to make right? it an annual tradition. We'll do New Year's Eve programs every year. I'm down. There we I go. I'm down. Cool. That, that also frees me up to not have to worry about uh, remembering what's on my calendar for the rest of the year. So. <laughs> there you go. Hell yeah. Well, uh, do you got anywhere uh, people can find you or uh, anything you want to drop before we go? No, I, I, I don't need people Word. following me. I don't need an audience. I don't want to be, <laughs> I don't want to be internet known. Um, but I like talking I like to it. you. That's why I did it. Yeah. Hell yeah. It, always a good conversation. Definitely always appreciate it. And, Honestly, like I'll sit there and I'll listen to a, a room that you're modding and I'll just be laughing hysterically because it's just tearing into people for just rightfully so, mind you, um, coming off mics. And uh, Kelly, by the way, is hilarious. She, yes. She's great. I see. I see why you like her. She's funny. She's really funny. So. Well, thank you everyone for uh, watching. Hopefully uh, you found this useful and uh, go ahead and hit that like button, subscribe, all that stuff that we always have to say. Uh, thanks to our big tech overlords uh, who are conveniently working with the FBI and the CIA, apparently. Uh, thanks Elon for you know exposing that. that that's cool. Uh, proving the things we already knew. That was awesome. So, um, I will be returning on January 2nd. Uh, it will be a very interesting conversation with that Liberty chick, um, Kalina George. We will be uh, discussing medical freedom, uh, the possibility of uh, 
you know, mysterious illnesses and all sorts of things. So make sure to tune into that. It will be on YouTube and Odyssey uh, because YouTube will probably take it down. So thank you so much again, uh, Sean. Thank you. And uh, thanks for everyone watching. Have a happy new year. And uh, until next time, stay free, my friends. Jacob.